Welcome to Saturday Story Circle, always on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 31 The crowds of gawkers that had crowded the streets and sidewalks around the remains of Joshua Kane's home had thinned out at last. A tall, lean man with his hat pulled low over his eyes clung to the shadows as best he could as the tired remnants of the police and fire squads began to pack it in for the night. Tomorrow the arson squad could begin their investigation in earnest, but for tonight the danger was past. A handful of officers would be on patrol to protect the curious from themselves, but for the official ranks of law and order the drama was over. The man in the shadows would not have agreed with that assessment. He watched and waited for any opportunity to begin his night's work in earnest. His shoulders grew tense in spite of themselves as he heard the shuffle of footsteps behind him. Well, well, a new face, a voice that must have belonged to the footsteps chirped pleasantly. Been a lot of those lately. The man in the shadows stammered for a moment, unsure of himself. He had thought to ignore the speaker altogether, then rejected the idea out of hand as being too suspicious. The voice did not wait for him to resolve his dilemma. A strong, silent type, I see. Kind of a cliché, but the classics are classics for a reason, don't you think? Silent Man turned at last and saw a lanky man with a press card tucked into the band of his fedora, which was pushed far back on his head. The speaker stood with his hands deep in his pockets and a smirk on his face that had the look of permanent status, which was very nearly true. The man in the shadows forced himself to relax a little as he spoke. "'Do I know you, mister?' he said at last. "'Maybe not, kid,' the man answered, "'but I'd know you at thirty paces. "'You're an agent, and you're new at it. "'Try to look less like you're waiting for adventure "'and more like you're waiting for a bus. "'The name's Peters. "'Jack Peters. "'Toronto Chronicle.' "'There was a small pause. "'I don't know what you're talking about,' came the reply. "'Sure you don't,' Peters smiled. "'Seriously, though, kid, I'm all right. "'You're supposed to meet me.' "'Peters looked at the face of the young man in the shadows.' It was a pleasant sort of face, even if it did have something of a hunted look that was far too common in these tough times. Peters could see the man's eyes narrow. I'm just waiting for a friend, he said, as if that were the end of the conversation. You must have me confused with someone else. Jack Peters sighed a little. He didn't want to be here all night, but Mother Hen seemed serious about this. Come on, kid, what's the number, he said. The man was silent, and it seemed clear that he knew what Peters was asking but was still uncertain of how to reply. Peters decided to needle his young friend. "'You look a little too wet behind the ears to me,' he said with a grin. "'I'd say you can't be lower than... Oh, "'160, 170—148!' the young man snapped indignantly before realizing that he'd been played. Peters just grinned at the young man's embarrassment. He stuck out his hand. "'Couldn't tell you my number,' he said. "'And for the love of Pete, don't ask me for a countersign, "'but it's nice to meet you, 148.' Agent 148 stood frozen for another moment before a quiet voice let him off the hook. "'May as well shake his hand, Mac,' Andy Parker said with a grin. "'He's all right.' "'I tried to tell him,' Jack Peter smiled. "'How we doing, Parker?' "'About the same as usual,' Andy Parker said seriously. "'Swell,' Peters replied, the grin finally leaving his face. He looked at Parker. The young police officer was in civilian clothes, but hardly in disguise. Peters guessed he must have been looking for an officer he knew for information, and he was right. "'Jack Peters, Mac Tully,' Parker said with a nod. Tully looked slightly flustered, but he relaxed at least. Peters knew without asking that he must have worked with a young police constable before. Parker inspired confidence, even if he didn't seem to know it. "'So what's the lay?' Tully asked sheepishly. Parker shook his head. 
I didn't get much, probably no more than Jack. Next to that, the reporter said, your pals weren't exactly forthcoming. Every other paper in town will be trying to stretch mysterious explosion to fill half a page. Not the Chronicle, Barker needled. Jack Peters smiled and said nothing. Tully seemed anxious. I saw them pull a body out of the wreck, the young agent said gravely. One of seven, Parker replied. They were pretty badly mauled by the explosion and the fire didn't help much. Tully's eyes widened. Any sign of... Parker shook his head. None of them was wearing a mask, if that's what you're asking. Though with a blast like that, there's no guarantee it would have stayed on. But they were all male, which is promising at least. At least 50% promising anyway, Peters nodded. Though they seemed to quit the search awful quick. Parker bristled slightly. Agent of the Red Panda or not, he was still a police officer, and anything that sounded like criticism of the force got his hackles up. It was pretty clear that no one could have survived that blast, to say nothing of the fire. It's dark and the wreckage is unstable. There was no sense risking lives to pull out bodies. Peters raised his hand in submission and said nothing. Tully looked back and forth between the two more experienced agents. So what do we do? he asked impatiently. Parker grimaced and glanced over his shoulder. We're sticking out like sore thumbs here. Let's go, he crossed the street at a quick pace. We're going, Max said, hurrying after him. Do we know anything? Parker opened the door of his old car. Not a thing. Get in. I'll explain on the way. Minutes later, the three agents sped along the darkened streets, leaving Kane's respectable neighborhood for the more highbrow addresses to the north. Where are we going, Constable? Jack Peters grimaced, feeling like the car was about to rattle itself apart at the speeds Parker was driving at. Six of the bodies they pulled out of the wreck were a collection of toughs, Parker said, his eyes never leaving the road ahead. All small-timers, none of them with any connection I ever heard of. Which has us speeding into Rosedale, why exactly? Mac Tully called from the back seat where he sat, legs folded and cramped, and, like the reporter, holding on for dear life. If that's who six of them were, the seventh must have been somebody else, young Mr. Tully, Peters chirped. Try and keep up. Tully bit his lip. You know, Peters... I haven't quite decided yet whether I ought to clip your beak. Peters nodded. Tough call, he agreed. Let me know when you decide. Max smiled. You'll be the first to know, I promise. Meanwhile, I think our intrepid young policeman was about to reveal our mysterious destination. Peters grinned at Parker. Are you two about done? Parker said seriously. I usually work alone, so clever banter isn't my forte. I'm done if he's done, Mac promised. The seventh body was just ID'd. It belonged to Randall Allen. His family estate is up this way. Parker looked grim. Who's Randall Allen? Max seemed puzzled. The Allens are old money, Mr. Tully, Peters said, clicking his teeth a little. They carry a lot of water in this town, and there's no particular reason why a wealthy young man like Allen should be anywhere near Joshua Kane. Or any of the guerrilla squad on their way to the morgue right now, Parker added, nodding. Tully shook his head. I still don't see... Think about it, Mac, Parker said with a glance at Tully in the rearview mirror. Our contacts are worried enough about the chief that they sent us out without orders, right? Sure, Mac said, only slightly annoyed. Peters picked up the thread. And whoever the chief might be under that mask, he's pretty clearly got some money at his disposal and some time on his hands. Mac turned pale. You don't think that Randall Allen... No, I don't, said Peters. I don't buy the Red Pandas, some soft, rich bird. I know it makes sense. But I've met a lot of these society types, and they're nothing like him. And unless I'm wrong, I think Alan was too young for the part. Parker's car screeched to a halt in front of the Allen estate. I hope you're right, Jack, he said grimly, but we have to make sure. The three men climbed out of the car and moved quietly across the lawn. How do you want to play this? Peters asked. Quickly and quietly, Parker said seriously. What does that mean? the reporter asked. 
Parker thought for a moment. It just sounded like what he might say, he admitted at last. Mac Tully drew a thirty-two revolver from his coat. Let's not keep still, he said. We're sitting ducks like this. Indeed you are, said a voice that seemed to come from everywhere. The agent spun around, trying to pick the speaker out of the darkness. They could see a dozen forms moving towards them through the shadows. Drop the pistol, young man, the voice commanded. Even were it not for the obvious logic of the situation, Mac Tully still would have been forced to comply. There was something about the voice that would not be disobeyed. The three men stood surrounded as the shapes moved closer and resolved themselves into the best-dressed gang of toughs in history. Jack Peters gave a low whistle. "'Ambushed by the swellest of swells,' he said quietly. "'A genuine who's who of the rich and richer.' The tuxedoed men surrounding them stood as still and grave as statues. Only one man stepped forward, a smile creeping across his hawk-like visage. "'Well, well,' he said in a quiet voice that rolled like thunder. "'Not at all who I expected.' The smile grew even larger. "'How marvelous!' he said.